this session, I have often dreamed of a far-off place where a hero's welcome would be waiting for me, where the crowds would cheer when they see my face. And a voice keeps saying, this is where I'm meant to be. Join our adventure party as we delve into the social and cultural aspects of our favorite game. All while enlightening our taste buds with a random craft beer. So crack open your favorite bardic inspiration and roll initiative with us of Dice and Brews. fellow adventurers it's ben also known as the forever dm back with another installment another session of of dice and brews you know over the last couple sessions i've had a lot of my party members come into this podcast and join me on a couple episodes i have two of the og members that actually sought me out to create this group so the founding fathers so to speak first i'm going to introduce a man that needs no introduction but kind of needs an introduction, but has had an introduction. I got this sunshine in my pocket. Brandon, welcome to Of Dice and Brews. Yo, what's up? We also call him Branches, by the way. That was my intro? Yeah, you never heard, well, you've never seen the, the movie Trolls. Oh, Justin Timberlake. that's, okay. Justin Timberlake does the song Sunshine in My Pocket, so, you know, I had go through. I got this sunshine in my pocket. All right, I got it. Sing got the it. intro for you. I got it. So, Brandon, are you excited? Very excited. Yeah? Yeah. My name came up a lot on the character creation, uh, so it did. I'm, glad, it did. I'm glad people get to like hear my voice now. That's right. And you get you finally get to speak your piece and talk shit about the other group members. Yes. Our- Kate, <laughs> Kate almost gave me away, and she's almost talking about my character when I'm not even here. <laughs> All right. Also joining us on the podcast episode today is the bread man himself. I'm going out. I'm going guns a blazing. <laughs> James, welcome to Up Dice and Brews. Yo, glad to be here, Ben. You know, I thought my first podcast was going to be Joe, you know, D. Rogan himself, the legend. But this was my second choice for first podcast to be on. So if, if ever um, I was going to be a runner up, it'd be to Joe. That's that's how I wanted to go down. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ben. And I'm I'm glad you're you're guns a blazing too, you know. You, you always have, there's two things we can always count on James for is he's going to be blasting and he's always got the bread on him. You know, I like to be a little bit of a wild card out there, Ben. You know, I come in, you think I might be blasting one episode. Maybe I get the rope out. <laughs> oh, man. Mix it up a little bit. Rip to root. <laughs> Rip to root. <laughs> Tattoo for the group right oh, there. Oh, man. R.I.P.D. <laughs> the rope. Anyway. Guys, it's awesome to have you guys on here. You guys are the OGs of our group. Uh, you guys are the ones that posted on the Facebook thread looking for a DM. And I answered the call, as the forever DM usually does. When I replied to you guys, what was you guys' first initial thought? Did you guys like talk to yourselves and be like, what do you think about this guy? Yeah, I think, was he our second DM? Yeah, he was our second. So, funny story how this all like comes back around. I'm excited about this. Is because... I was already like trying to get a party going for the guy that you and Lucas hate. 
What? Yes. So that that guy who remained nameless, but yeah, I was when you Voldemort? said his, yes. When uh, he was like trying to put a group together, and I I got COVID when I got back, and I uh, I had to miss a day or two, so it got pushed back. And then I saw him, and uh, he was looking for a group, and so we hit it up. And I was like, hey, I have a DM, and then. It kind of fell through, which I'm glad because like all the horror stories that you and Lucas talked about with this guy. But uh, yeah, I feel they, like we ruined that guy on the, on the Vegas thread. Like nobody's like when they see his post for his because it's it's always the same stick. And I feel bad. I'm sorry, but you just gotta do some research. Man. Yes, but like you and uh, James here saved me from what I would have found out was an awful game. You might have quit D and don't know. You're pretty strong in your D and D. Morals and values. So you, maybe you wouldn't equip D and D. I do feel sorry for anybody that's ever like he's the first experience. You know, for me, I was coming from a great DM before uh, when I was living in Michigan. We had a great group, great DM who put in like a ton of work. So I was like, no way, like, right? Am I going to find somebody to this level? And so I had kind of like tempered expectations, I guess, coming into the whole expectations. (laughs) Right, right. And then, I mean, we come here, Ben, and and man, you and Mikey could be brothers, right? Like you guys both love storytelling. You both love putting in the work and like crafting this world. And and it it just fits like a glove for you guys. You know, the funny thing is like you guys always talk about me crafting the world when really you guys are crafting the world. I'm not doing much. I'm just playing the, with the pieces that you give me. I give you little feeders. Like over the last week, me and Brandon have been talking a lot. I've been, I've been DMing He's Brandon. been in my DMs. <laughs> Slid in there. Not only did I get them digits, but now I'm getting that backstory. So Ben's a flippery snake. <laughs> with a silvery tongue. <laughs> no, but I think, I think what makes a good DM, right? And, and what you guys, my, my old friend Mikey, my DM Mikey, and, and you is uh, you guys are like, the Chris Pauls of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Ooh. You just know how, to, dimes? You know how to throw up that oop, dude. Yeah, I can't shoot the three to save my life, but I'll throw you a dime. You're a facilitator, dude. <laughs> Everybody at the table is just laying down spicy dunks, dude. And I'm, what do they call that? The game manager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's GM right there. Game Ab- manager. Absolutely. I'm the Trent Dilfer <laughs> oh. of, po- of uh, DMing of Dungeons and Dragons. I see you got some Fitz magic in you, bro. <laughs> I'm not a Stanford man by any stretch. Just saying. You went to Harvard? Yeah. See, I told you I'm not a Stanford <laughs> man. <laughs> Let's get a little bit more background on you guys. And Brandon, I'll start with Brandon. I'm going to start with you, man. How long have you been playing D&D? Uh, playing, actually, not too long. So I play. I started playing in uh, like 2010, 2011, like fourth edition stuff with uh, just a couple like really close friends. We didn't do like a campaign like how we have here. We have, we'd, like, we'd show up like this week, oh, you want to play D&D today? Sure. We'd like roll characters real quick and we'd play like a one-shot and they're like, oh, come back tomorrow and it's your turn. You Hold know? on. Is, and this question has been brought up. Is a one-shot ever just a one-shot though? Like I've never played a one-shot where it's like only three hours. Our, like, ours were like we yeah. when we started like it would be more than three hours because I'd, I'd be like I'd spend all day at this guy's house but like we would start and then we would finish you know there was a, an end and then like he'd be like hey you want to play tomorrow I'm like Mo- sure most people like to finish when they start yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so fourth edition you mentioned earlier and a couple other times that we've talked and just kicked the kicked the shit around is that you're a heavy WoW player is I've always heard that fourth edition kind of correlates or relates to WoW. Is that your experience as well with fourth edition? I'd say yeah. It was also just the first one I got you know, 
I didn't like seek out like specifically a place. This is what he had, and I was like, okay, sure, we'll play it. And uh, I've always been real big into the fantasy. I just never really had like a big group to play D and D with, you know. And then uh, yeah, that's and now our numbers are vast. Yes, and ever impressive. <laughs> uh, James, how long have you been playing D and D for, man? It would have been back in 2018, 2017. Yeah, two, I guess 2000. 2017 we're gonna go with 2017 sounds like a good year yeah so i was a youth pastor at this church and Man, we've had another youth pastor on the show too <laughs> yeah yeah and uh the pastor's kid and some of his friends they, they were all like 16 and and some of their older brothers had been dabbling in D and they invited me to come play with them one day and uh I, I fell in love with the game we ended up uh it was a couple of the volunteers from the youth group some of the students from the youth group we would meet uh, once a week and play D and D, and that that lasted for like a year and a half, two years, and it was an absolute blast. Fell in love with the game. That's where I met Mikey. He was one of the volunteers at the youth group. Amazing. So people. Was this like a multiple year campaign then, or same story arc, or did you play multiple characters during this time? Mostly, yes. Uh, it started with a one shot. One of the one of the kids was doing a one shot, and then one of the one of the volunteers at church um, did a campaign, but it was. He was he was a good DM and everything. It was just there was too many people. I felt like it would, and it was very slow, and we didn't really have the time to like invest in it. So that kind of fell apart. But the remnants of that group made a new group, and it was it was a four person group. That's the one that lasted for the long time, about a year. So year what you're now. saying is, going back to my zero session episode, is when you go to these game stores and you have the big adventurers league. You can also have D and D at churches, people. That's another Adventurers League group. Yeah, we would actually, we would meet in the church basement. So I know there's like that, like stigma of like D&D in the church. The exorcism of Emily Rose? Right. (laughs) But uh, we certainly were not um, doing any, there's no demonic actions there. It was just just a bunch of fellowship, good time. dice rolling. Yeah, yeah. It was great. (laughs) It was great though. We saw, uh, you know, there were some, some people who joined us who were more on the introverted side and to see them come out of their shells. You know, during D&D, especially young people who are finding their place in the world and figuring out how to do life and and seeing them really like open up socially at the D&D table. Just a a really cool growth experience. That's one thing that AG, uh, Andy, um, used to bring up, too, is that his guys would uh, almost practice choices that they made for life in the D&D sessions to see how people would react to those choices. So if if somebody felt uncomfortable bringing their or introducing themselves or portraying themselves as a person to other people at a young age, like that nervous Nancy kind of get, you know, everybody has anxiety. Kids, unfortunately, have more anxiety than most because as adults, we're like, you know what? We don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. Kids are so impressionable and they don't know where they fit at or what they're going to go through. Through D&D, they can project themselves a little bit better and be like, hey, what are the consequences? What are the reactions that I'm going to get? One thing I will say about that group that I played with is I, I don't talk to a whole ton of people from that time in my life. I mean, I wish them all the best, and I'm sure they're all doing great. As far as like the deep, some of the deep connections I made, most of them were at that D&D table. And I mean, there's some exceptions to that, but I still talk to, especially there's one of the guys from the group that I talk to pretty regularly, you know, so we, we all became close as a table and, and they were relationships that weren't just because we lived by each other, but you know, they were, you know, long lasting relationships. So that, that was a really great takeaway. And I remember one of the girls got married and we all went to our wedding and there's pictures of us all holding our dice together at the wedding, you know? So it's just, it's one of those things where it it goes outside of just 
going and playing a game once a week. You do life together. It, it's a it's a community group. And yeah, well, it's definitely like a lifestyle. You pick this, and then through that, you get friends, you get family. Uh, Brandon, you had you had something you want to add to your D and D playing experience, sir? Oh yeah, I was just saying like after those like one shots, I, I never really was into like a campaign. But then uh, I stopped playing, and I didn't play again until uh, this group formed up. But I watched, you know, all kinds of Critical Role, and I, I was so deep into it. And that's why, like, I think what I look for in this game, whereas when I was doing those one shots, was like, hey, I want to fight things. You know, I, we only have so much time. I want to fight things. I want to kill things. I want to kill a big bad monster. And then as, like, watching more about all these, you know, D&D shows, it's like, hey, I really want the story. And that's where, like, it super changed me. I was looking for something totally different when I came back to this game. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of like the one night stands with D and D. You get your quickies, your quick natural twenties on, and then eventually you want to settle down. Give her a big old crit, and then I just leave. You want to? <laughs> oh, you know what? All I want is I just want to settle down with advantage. <laughs> Ooh. Brandon, you kind of led into my next uh, question: is like, what pillar of D and D do you gravitate towards? Like exploration, combat, role play, and then why? I mean, you kind of already touched on it, so just expand on that for us. Yeah, like I said, it was definitely used to be combat. Uh, not only playing in like a little bit of time, you know, it's just like, hey, let's just fight a bunch of stuff. But like now that we have this long session, even the game, even the sessions where we have no combat, which we, we've had like two or three sessions back to back without any combat, when it, and it, it's perfectly fine because I'm, I'm chasing the story. I want that big reveal. I want those moments where you know. Deanna stabs the guy in the heart. You know, I want those giant, like, reveals. Stab through the heart, and the rogues to blame. Shout out, Deanna. Should have been here. <laughs> You're supposed to be here. James, uh, what pillar of D&D do you gravitate towards, and why? Yeah, definitely with my old group, we played a lot of more uh, combat-based D&D, which was fine, and it was really enjoyable. I played a Blood Hunter, so I was definitely, like, a little bit... So like- you played... Did you play... In that time, the Blood Hunter wasn't completely fleshed out, then how broken was the Blood Hunter when you were playing it? I don't know. It was definitely pretty broken because I know I misinterpreted some of the rules and the DM just kind of went with it, right? Like uh, there's that rule where... All the best ones do. Yeah, you get you get hit, you know, and you can like do whatever damage they did to you onto your enemy, right? Well, that's a one-time use. But I had misinterpreted it so that it's like, okay, this is like on for like the rest of the fight, right? I'm so it's definitely like... <laughs> I definitely did way more damage than I deserve to do, <laughs> but but it doesn't really matter because what are rules in D and D, right? Guidelines. Yeah, guidelines. guidelines. The question about combat role play, like I, I'm definitely enjoying the role play of our our group. I think everybody's like really into that, and uh, I love I love doing that. I love making people laugh. I love playing like comic relief characters and just doing weird stuff, man. Weird stuff. He's in the bus stuff. You almost hung yourself to kill somebody. <laughs> it was epic though. That session in my mind will live in infamy. We haven't had those combats every session. Like generally when I used to DM for my players back in the days, I had like, I got to have a combat once, once a session. Got to have a combat. Got to have a combat. As I've grown older in my DM experience, I'm like, you know what? If the players are driving the story, if they're intrigued, I don't have to break that up to have a combat. Also, there's been tons of times when you guys could have had combats where it went differently, which is amazing. You never know what you're going to get out of this. Especially with our group. There's so many different personalities and so many different ways of looking at the story and perspective. I guess those are called perspectives. So many different perspectives of looking at the story of the same thing, which leads into our happy hour topic. But uh, going back to you, Brandon, like what is in your D&D experience, what's your favorite D&D memory? I knew you were going to ask this question, so I was thinking about it for like the last week and a half. 
And because I don't have a lot of D&D experience, I'd have to agree with Deanna that her thing that she did two weeks ago was the greatest like thing that I've ever seen in a game so far. It was pretty epic. Like I said, most of the time my I'm not stunned. Like I'm I'm kind of the guy that sees everything. I try to see everything, right? You can't plan for everything, but sometimes players just go into this funnel of tropes. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. But every once in a while you get that one thing where you're like, "Nope, nope, I didn't see that coming at all." <laughs> that's that's but, crazy. But if I have to pick a close second, it would be like when we did our beginning dungeon and like you kind of like facilitated my weapon to like lead me and you used my character against me kind of and like you made like you led me down like this path it was i felt like it was like really focused around me and it's just like how you just did that on the spot like i've never like seen anybody like no one's ever done that i've never delved that deep before so just to like have that and be like wow this is this is like the first second third session this is going to be great well i hope that continues out we almost been playing for close to six months now to be honest with you that's quite an accomplishment in itself so hopefully the the whole mojo that you got in those first couple sessions have carried throughout our campaign so far. I know with seven people at the table, I kind of have to flip a script to where I have a main and a supporting and then a main again. And then somebody goes on the shelf for a little bit, a couple sessions, and then I have to pull them back out of the gutter. But James, what is your favorite D&D memory that you've ever had in your experience? Yeah, so we've done some awesome stuff at the table, right? Like one of, one of my favorite things from our table we did was uh, opening night, describing the death of the person that we were, you know, instead of just waking up in a tavern, right? You're in, you're in a tavern. What are you doing, right? No, it's like we're describing, we're giving a eulogy for somebody's death that we were supposed to be guarding, right? So describing who this, and all the power, all the control was the players. So the DM just lofted in that. Chris Paul, Ali Oop, up, dude. <laughs> Letting each one of us channel our little Blake Griffin. I'm sorry, I haven't watched basketball since like 2014. I haven't watched it since the Sonics left Seattle. <clears throat> but but uh, I'm going to go to this other campaign I was in. So like wrapping up our first season, because I separated it all into seasons, right? Season one, season two, season three. Wrapping up the first season. You had season. You had three seasons? Yeah, yeah. So wrapping up, wrapping up the first season, my character who, who used to be demon-possessed, right? We find out that the monk he had uh different personalities every every session every day he woke up he would roll a d4 to see which personality was he a kanku too no he was uh he was a halfling but he would roll a d4 and it would determine whether he was a monk uh a ranger a rogue it would determine his class which was a really cool homebrew thing he worked out with the dm but it turned out that he was uh the fractured what what was left over of the demon that had been exercised from me my character Ooh. and and so my character had started that that season by saying his motivation was i'm gonna go find this demon that had formerly possessed me caused me to kill my family right i'm gonna go find this demon i'm gonna kill him and uh he when he finds the demon the demon had be, been changed because of the innocence of the boy and so so what you're saying is you started a character arc Yes, absolutely. At the beginning of your season, how did that character arc finish out? So it wrapped up with you know the, that change in in my character of okay, this demon maybe wasn't the enemy after all, and they team up, and he repossesses the child, and that was a really fun for season all of season two. We're we're doing uh you know he he would have shadow arms that came out of my character's body when it was his turn in combat, right? And he would do his monk stuff. But it was like a really cool homebrew with the DM to like work that out. So was this two players playing one character? Absolutely, it was. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. That's intense. It was. I mean, the demon was a technically a separate entity inside of me. It was really funny because like sometimes he would come out of me 
and and just be like a shadow creature thing, scary looking. But most of the time, because it was so scary looking, he'd have to be inside of me. I remember one time we're playing, right? And uh, somebody was videotaping at the time at the table. So there's this video and the video pans over to me. I'm not, I'm totally immersed in the game. I just look over and I'm like, are you inside of me right now? <laughs> it's just this, you know, it That's doesn't good. help, right? That, I can't feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally like the worst youth pastor ever, right? <laughs> Girls just want to have fun. I Just for the record, I never diddled any children. So. <laughs> wow. I, I feel like I got to say it now, dude. <laughs> you know what? Oof. There was a couple of those moments in my in, in our whoa, first whoa, season wait, when I was like, wait, hold on. What are we talking about here? And who's our audience? <laughs> Where does this go? By no fault of our own, you know, consuming alcoholic beverages and talking shit. But, you know, it happens. So I understand your justification there. <laughs> Brandon, what's one thing in your D&D journey that you can't wait for? What's one thing you want to happen to your character that you play or another player at the table? Can't wait for people to find out where I got my powers and the decisions that I've made in our campaign because of that and where it would take me if it ever comes to be like a crossroads between that and the rest of the party foreshadowing man i feel like everybody at our table just wants to kill everybody in the party <laughs> i don't want to kill uh, there's, there's two people i want to kill in the there's party. so <laughs> many secrets at this table it's ridiculous and how we've managed to juggle them and how people have managed to keep them secret without people asking questions i'm like when is this gonna pop like when it like it feels like the 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 tea kettle is boiling and it's simmering and the the top's doing the one of the whoo, and I'm like, who's going to fucking pop the top? FYI, one of the two is already dead. What? Why did you want Darude dead? No, I'm just kidding. I love oh. you, Justin. <laughs> I like, what the hell? What no, his new, his, his new guy, I already don't like him. <laughs> he hasn't even introduced him. I saw it on the website. <laughs> it's because you were fiddling around with that blood magic. I was trying to make you? a blood magic thing just in case I die. You know, who could be next? He got that the foreshadowing in, in the group message. You never know. And then just like I started when, when Darude died. And Brandon's like, I need a new character. <laughs> just, just, just in case. I have two that are just sitting there ready. Uh, James, what's one thing in your D&D journey that you would like to witness or have your character go through? Have you guys ever fought a dragon? No. Yes. Green dragon. Like big one? Ancient? Yeah, it was an epic. We, it was almost a TPK. Yeah? Uh, how long was that fight? It was the whole session. Was it 5th was it edition? Yeah, one of uh, one of the guys from the party wasn't there, so we went in shorthanded. That usually doesn't go too well for us. Everybody, every, there was a point where almost everybody was down. The only there was only one person up. I mean, it was literally one one play away from a TPK. So your, your question, yeah, your right? one your one thing that you are dying to happen in a campaign that you're a part of, or one thing that you really want your character to go through or witness. It's it's tough because I I really don't have the one thing. You know? Or even like a monster that you really want to fight. Like maybe you've been flipping through the monster manual and you're like, oh, I really want to fight. I want you to find your son, dude. Yeah, I'm excited, you know, obviously to see where Reginald's arc takes him, his journey in front of him. But there's nothing necessarily that I, I'm like, I really want to see this, right? I guess maybe, you know, any kind of, there's so many epic monsters in D&D, you know. I think your storyline with the gods is really cool. Sometimes I surprise myself a little bit is like when I start to come up with these things and I start to like intertwine your guys' backstories of your characters and I'm like, oh, this would fit really well with what so-and-so's got going on. And I'm like, but wait, that also intertwines with so-and-so and then the trickle-down effect from there. And then you start thinking, being a DM is a rabbit hole all in itself because as a DM, you try to you try to make this organic 
living world. So while you guys are doing your little arc in your little place, I have to kind of think about like what's going on in the vastness of the world that we created, how those decisions that you're making are affecting you and how these people's decisions are affecting you guys, because you don't really want the world to be on pause. I think that's one of the best things about D&D is you can make this world a living world and you're not confined by the programming of the game. So things are actually happening. People are actually dying. We really don't know where Horbin is. We really don't know if he's alive. We've also witnessed and heard about the rumblings of the goddess Aurelia reborn as a child, which is a whole nother thing on itself. So there's a lot of things going on. Yes, there is. And the vampire and the uh, now this uh, the bird thing. What was it called? The Varrock. Yeah, the Varrock. You know, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of things. So you got, now you have the beast. And we just learned about kind of like where the beast came from in... Uh, Sounds of Wings Flapping's dream, which due to our group not being together for two months altogether, we kind of broke that session and ended up being a complete bullshit fest, which is fine. Those happen. Sometimes you're just not wanting to play the game. Sometimes you just want to bullshit. Happens all the time. But that's also why we do podcasts. And and you know, I, I think it's kind of a cool thing. Like there's some there's some good things to see in what happened that night. And one of those things is like everybody vibes with each other so much that they're just like, you know, like, hey, I just want to catch up for a second. Put, put the game aside for a second. Like what's going on? with everybody like i'm i'm hyped i drank a coffee before i came like what's going on like yeah, tell me about I agree yourself with you and as a dm this is another pro tip pro tip you can't force the table to vibe like if you if the table's not feeling the game don't force the game don't get upset don't start freaking out don't pack your shit up and screw you guys i'm going home just vibe with the table you know you don't very much get that time to spend with the people that have become your friends to just have those friendship moments. You don't have to play the game all the time. And if the table's not right, then just save it because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to try to fight it. Yeah, and the, and the more we continue to hang out and all, all play this game together, it's really cool to see everybody start doing stuff outside of the game together, Well, whether it's helping each other move, you know, or, you know, fantasy football. That's the only up. reason I joined this group is so you guys can help me move. <laughs> You have Yo, a lot of shit. That's actually, dude. So, okay, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you do not play D and D or have any intention of playing D and D, but need get to a move, move. <laughs> you need to get a move in, dude. Like, go to a Facebook group, pick up seven friends, play D and D. The nerds are thirsty for friends. We will help you do whatever you want. Speak for yourself. <laughs> you're the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to you guys about this, Brandon. You got anything to add? Real quick? I was just gonna say I would. You talk about like a monster I want to see. Oh, I yeah. really, I really want to find a beholder. Really you bad. Know, two things really in D&D that are very iconic is beholders and dragons, and I have yet to fight anything like that. Well, it's in your hands, man. It's, yeah, yeah, but that's not me fighting it. That's me playing as. But you a get to you get to be one. That, that's even cooler the only than fighting one. With that is me being a beholder. Can you imagine how many eye stocks my beholder would have? We'd roll for it. So who knows? <laughs> You guys do roll for everything. But I, I, that's player agency. I like to put it back on you guys. Because you know what? Then then when Darut dies, you guys aren't blaming me because you rolled it. Not me. No, we're blaming Lucas. I, I do too. It's his fault, Justin. It's his fault. It's the wizard that's practicing blood magic. Take your angst out on him. But anyway, all this talk about death and dice. I'm, I'm kind of thirsty. How about you guys? Always. I'm thirsty right now. Have a pint, take a break, and relax. It's my favorite part of the show. So tell me, boys, what's on tap? Tonight we have a brew brought to us by James. James, go ahead and tell us what our brew of the night is. Yeah, so tonight we're going to be drinking Oberon, which is a true Michigan beer. 
I'm from uh, Mid Michigan. This is this is from Bell's Brewery, which could be found in I think there's one in Comstock, which is by Detroit. I always went to the one in Kalamazoo because I lived there for a short time. Plus, who doesn't just like saying Kalamazoo? Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. Are you from Dr. Seuss World? What the fuck? Michigan is, in fact, Dr. Seuss World, confirmed. <laughs> so this is a, it's a weed ale. Uh, and actually, you guys, if you lift it up, what hold I want on, you to hold do. Hold on, hold on. James, it's been confirmed. You're thing one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down, dude. <laughs> All right, good. So if you, I want you guys to lift it up to the light. And if you look at the bottom of the, of the bottle... You can see it a little better in a glass, but the, the bottom dust of the bottle. bunnies in there. Yeah, you can see it's yeast and protein. So in the way they make it, they just, I don't know, they have yeast and protein. So this is a dietary bottle, supplement? Absolutely. There's more <laughs> more protein in there. After you work out, you should chug an Oberon. Gains. <laughs> Gains. I'm leg- legally obligated to say I'm not a doctor, but. <laughs> but And make sure you consume your bardic inspiration responsibly while working out or post-workout. So there's actually an Oberon Day in Michigan as well. So like you go into your local Myers, which is kind of like for you Las Vegas people, that's like a Smith's kind of, except it's like, it's just like a Smith's. But you go into Myers, right? And they'll have, or Walmart, and they'll have like all, like tons of Oberon stands out, lots of Oberon. You can get a little keg of it too. Is this your favorite Bell's? um, It's my second, second favorite Bell's beer. I, I like Two Hearted Ale the most. But so one time at the brewery, I actually had at Bell's Brewery, they had a spicy jalapeno Oberon. That sounds delicious. It was the worst beer I've ever had in my life. Is it worse than butter soda? Yes. Yeah, it Is was. Is it worse than pog cider? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Exactly. It was bad. It was bad. But So Oberon, it says an American wheat ale with a spicy hop character, mildly fruity aromas, and the cuddle cuddle and the color and scent of a sunny afternoon oh the cuttlefish the cuttlefish oberon is made with just malt hops and bells copyright signature house ale yeast and water the best result is a medium body and Uh. flavor yeah making it the perfect beer for warm weather brandon hell of a burp bro no it wasn't me dude you're wasted <laughs> that, that's me chill brandon we're gonna need you to contain yourself you can't have any more oberon. hey put your shirt back on dude <laughs> all right we're gonna go ahead and crack some oberon open and see what we're getting into so the beer was actually created in like 1992 it was called something else like summer or something but the brewery was asked to change the name by another brewery who had a similar sounding beer. So they changed was the name. Was it Leaning Kugel's Summer... <laughs> summer Shandy? Summer <laughs> Shandy. No. No, that, I like the Summer Shandy, though. That's a nice Oh, yeah, beer. that's a good... You know what? There's nothing better than in the Northwest of like mowing your lawn and having a Summer Shandy. Yeah. It was nice enough and light enough to be considered a beer, but also like you didn't feel like that overarching heavy Hefeweizen like, drag you down. I like, don't have any motivation to do anything else for the rest of my day. So speaking of that, where would you guys most enjoy an Oberon? Like, what would be the setting and situation where you would feel like, this calls for an Oberon? I have no idea. I don't drink. Did you try it yet? I did try it. Well, where would you drink it then? Hmm. While doing a podcast. You know what? While doing a podcast (laughs) called Dice and Brews, where drinking is a formality. You know what? I'd have to say that Oberon is probably best consumed at a fantasy football draft or a barbecue. You mean this like is Sunday? Like Sunday. This is kind of a nice party beer. 
This is light but flavorful. There's nothing worse than going to a party or a barbecue and you open up the cooler and there's nothing but domestic dead ends. Absolutely. I fucking hate that feeling. Absolutely. So Oberon kind of fits in that cooler for me where, where somebody with a, with a taste for beer kind of likes it, but it doesn't have that, that deep, like, oh man, I can't, I can't have too many of these. This is a daily drinker. This is like a three or four, five, six, seven if you're really getting heavy. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually can't do more than like two or three. More than three or four. More than four or five. No, I'm just <laughs> but, but yeah, you go to a Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever, your sports bar yeah, of choice, yeah. and uh, you crack open a brewski, one of these boys, you snap that little sucker open, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, pop that little thing. Yeah. And or watch if they the game. Pour, it in a, pour it in a glass for you. And Do you l- think this, does this go in a sad, Sam Adams type glass with the bubble on top? I mean, they definitely do serve in, you can go to, I've had it served to me in a glass before with, usually there's an orange slice on it. Yuck. So if, if like I said. Part of the NFL, <laughs> no fruit league. Yeah. If, if you're like not really a craft beer person and find yourself in a situation with Oberon, throw an orange on that bad boy and you might feel more at home. I always find myself in situations with beer. Man, you always find yourself in the best situations, Ben. By the way, Oberon, Bell's. Oberon Ale is 5.8% alcohol by volume. And for some reason, I can't find the IBUs on it at all. Sorry, guys. I'm getting a text message from the wifey. She's like, "Do you, babe, do you think we'll have a max of 20 people on Sunday? I was like, wait, there's 12 people in the league. If everybody breathes in at least one person, that's 24 people. My significant other is not coming. Why? My parents are also coming up like right now. You want to bring your parents? Yo, do it. Bring your parents oh, to the my draft. Parents to the that draft. would be legendary. <laughs> Dude, who brings their parents to the Bro, draft? This guy. Branches, though. That's how bland Branches. Bland hey. branches. Hey, everybody. This is Mr. and Mrs. Branches. I got the sunshine in my pocket. <laughs> That's me, man. You're full of sunshine. Yo, you know what? Speaking of the craft beers again, I love the sticker art. I love the art on beer bottles you know like this is a nice little sunshine that, that's that's a good one i, I like that all the balls i've seen that that's so one of my favorite when we did season one of of dyson brews we'd actually take those labels off and ha- we put them on the table we went and got this 20 dollar offer up bar size pub table and we would just stick the labels on the table eventually what i want to do is when when the dungeon gets created is i want to have that table again but this time i want to put the the ratings on the little dice next to the label on the table that way it's kind of like solidified in history it's the a very of, good idea the of dice and brews rating system i like it absolutely i played disc golf with a guy who would it was like his thing with his dad he would always peel off the stickers i was like that is that's adorable that's like such a cool father that's adorable thing. what do you guys think <laughs> on sunday my wife is asking me if her friend's husband is playing in our our league should she make two pans of homemade macaroni and cheese or just one like a normal like barbecue pan size thing yeah yeah hmm it's mac and cheese though, so I'm tempted to say two, just because it's it's fucking mac and cheese. It, yeah, it's so it's, it's really easy to just take home, put it in the fridge, and heat it back. Yeah, exactly. Two. Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, two. That's what I said. Yeah, I think I think everybody's going to be here long enough. I mean, this is one hell of a draft we're talking about. People, I've never IDPs. done twenty two rounds, but twenty two <laughs> rounds of epic, influential oh drafting, and then on top of that, a cornhole tournament afterwards. Are you sure you don't want? <laughs> that sure? was a play action. <laughs> Are you sure it was a re- repass option? Are you sure you don't want to bring your parents, Brandon? They probably aren't going to want to come. So poo poo. Yeah, Maybe. they they really don't care about football, even less than my wife does. So here's what Brandon doesn't know: we've already invited his mom and dad to play in the in the league. They're super committed. They have the top picks. Dad, 
Dad? He's going to be wearing his Branches jersey on Sunday. I'm going to be wearing my Cooper Cup Super Bowl jersey on Sunday. Fuck you. You know what? I really love you, Brandon, but I can't stand your taste in NFL. Too. I can't stand your taste in yours. You guys are going to suck. You know what's funny? Being from Michigan is that like You're every Lions... to suck? <laughs> ev- well, every Lions fan was, was a like, Rams fan. Is a huge Rams fan because they understand their franchise is like a miserable garbage franchise. I don't know, man. I'm invested in the Lions this year just because Dan Campbell and Hard Knocks. Oh, I love Dan Campbell. Campbell it's so hard, much. It's hard not to root for the guy. And that one guy, Khalil Pimpleton, what a name. <laughs> it's almost like Cooper Cup. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dude, the Lions, the Lions signing Dan Campbell was the best thing that franchise has done in a long time. Yeah, get time. rid of Matt Patricia. That was bad. It's also the best thing that they've done for hard knocks in a long time. I'm just excited to see guys, grown men, cry over a sport. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I Dude, feel, that sucks, man. I, you know, <laughs> I was sad. Yeah, I, I don't want to watch the next episode. It's I sad. Don't, I don't know how you cannot be brought to tears by episode one Jamal Williams speech. I'm you saying, know? I'm sick of losing. It's like everybody can relate to that. I've lost. Dude, that's one of the I'm perfect, sick of losing too. That's like one of the best D&D speeches of all time. Like if that doesn't give you bardic inspiration or the dude's a fucking bard. He's spouting knowledge. I like the Aiden Hutchinson uh, singing Billie Jean. That was, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, doesn't he have a sprained ankle now? Or a sprained MCL? Does he? I don't think he does. No, the other dude, the Giants guy. That's who I'm talking about. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau? Yeah. Thibodeau. Okay, that was a that was a clean block, though. People jumping on that train of like, oh, that was a dirty block. No, it's just, that's football. I'm going to need you to roll advantage and refocus. Is this a football podcast now? Did we just find a side quest? <laughs> all, all the girls from our group listening to this are like, oh my god. Especially gosh. Kate. Kate hates it the most. <laughs> Justin's not a big fan either. But he'll he'll put up with it. Kate just dreads it. It just balances the heavy metal talk There's in our not, group chat. Oh, well, fuck. There is heavy metal talk. <laughs> I'm a part of both of those conversations. So I, don't <laughs> I feel like Justin's at a concert every week. I'm like, bro, how do you he do is. it? <laughs> he is at a concert every week. And you know what? It boggles my mind because I'm like, how the fuck did I not know about this? And you know what? It also brings me back to the days where I didn't have to plan my fucking life accordingly. Like, yeah. fuck you. Fuck you, Justin. Get to do whatever you want to do every day you want to do it. But sometimes they're like on like a Wednesday night. And I'm like, bro, how are, like, <laughs> how are you doing this? Weird thing about... Weird thing about Vegas coming from Washington and the concert scene is concerts in Washington were always on Fridays and Saturdays. In Vegas, I feel like they're like always on Wednesdays and Thursdays. A normal person working 40 hours a week at night, unfortunately, how the fuck am I going to go to a concert on Wednesday or Thursday? (laughs) Yeah, right? That just doesn't make sense to me. Man, you got a whole family. Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine if he was like, you got half a family? (laughs) It's a whole complete family. See, I'm jealous of you. Why are you jealous of me? I want a family. You got two dogs. You're good, bro. No, I'm not on that train where like you got fur babies. Yeah, <laughs> like because my wife's like, oh yeah, those dogs were our babies. They're not my babies. They're my dogs. Dude, you ever see that like people do that right before they have kids? They're like, let's get a dog and see if we uh, can keep it alive. <laughs> let's see if we can take care of it. If we can successfully keep it alive, <laughs> we will create another human being. What's the time frame on keeping your dog alive before you're allowed to have a baby? Three months. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that one, but it's it's really interesting. Is, is this going to make it in the whole podcast? It might. All right. It's funny. It's this, one, this is going to be a long one. So we're going to continue. You know, I always... 
my boys back home, I keep referencing them, but this is where this podcast stems from, is they always said like, hey, like, how come we're not talking about craft beer? I feel that that goes into the review of the beer is like, if I can't socialize and drink a beer and enjoy myself, then it's not what we're talking about to begin with. So that's kind of what what's on tap is, is we enjoy ourselves, we pop it open, we talk about it a little bit, and then we conversate, and then we feel it out, and then we get back on track. Absolutely. It's the best podcast. It's Bear and Joe. Uh, you know, Joe's my hero. <laughs> Come on, get happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) All right, adventurers. Since these guys are, it's their first journey on Up Dyson Brews, our first adventure on Up Dyson Brews together, I kind of want to continue with the character creation and on the next step of, of planning your character's arcs. Once you have that character created, how do you go about planning out an arc? Do you have an arc in mind when you're creating the character or do you wait for the character arc itself to develop within the campaign? And just for those listening at homes, I'm defining a character arc as the journey the character goes on that it either expresses growth or regression throughout the campaign. In typical of Dyson Bruce fashion, I'm going to have us roll initiative to see who takes the cake on, on the opening question. Uh, Brandon, I'm just going to start with you. Go ahead and, and roll your initiative, no that, modifiers. That is a nine. Nine. James. I just want to say I'm using uh, this amazing dice tower. That's a three. Our dice tower is amazingly three. All right. I'm also going to use this mimic dice tower that I'll post pictures of. God, I got to go first. You're first, 14. Jeez. I don't typically play characters, but... <laughs> When I envision story arcs, I kind of have what I would call vices to my characters, which are flaws. And I'm a very positive or growth-oriented character arc kind of person, although I'll allow the campaign to kind of dictate the flow of my character. If it leads through a regression or a negative story arc, then I would definitely play into that. But at the same time, my characters are genuinely created with flaws in mind and their ability to overcome those flaws throughout certain situations that are presented in the campaign. But when when I create characters, they're definitely with flaws in mind. And the vision of in my head is when when I'm playing throughout those things, I want I want our character, my character to overcome his flaws. Brandon, when you create characters, do you have a character arc in mind for your character when you're creating them, or do you let the, the campaign dictate the character flow? I let the campaign dictate. So how everybody acts around me and how the things that the DMs like you're going to put in front of me, I will start molding my character and like all those things like down the road. So how my guy's going to react depends on this how everybody acts around me. I don't want I don't want to like make something at the very beginning and then I feel like I have to stick to that when like it may not fit or work in the situation I'm in. When certain situations present themselves for other characters, do you feed into them and create your own arcs from them or do you just let those characters have their things or their separate little jives and kind of stick back? Other player characters? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I stick back. Yeah, I don't want to like intrude on their story or take anything from their story. It's just I'll I'll be I'll be fine being like a supporting role and then like while still flushing out like what my character arc is going to be. James, uh, same kind of question for you is 
when you're creating a character, do you plan a story arc or do you have a story arc in your mind or do you kind of let the campaign flow dictate what your character's story arc will be or your journey? So definitely a little bit of both, right? I think for our campaign that we're currently in, actually probably for every campaign I've been in, in character creation, and this touches on what you did with the last podcast. If, for all you listeners, if you haven't checked it out, it's great. The character creation episode is a real great episode. Go check it out. But I start with the flaw, right? I think that's a central part of any character. You start with the flaw. What What's going on? What's wrong with this character? And then from there is growth, right? Like what's this lie that they believe? For Reginald, he's like elderly. He's in the twilight. I mean, he's already done his adventuring, right? All right, so go ahead. because we didn't introduce our characters, we got caught up in everything. Uh, we'll just start with you, James. Go ahead and introduce your character that you play in this campaign so that everybody knows who you are. So Reginald Hardnipple IV from the halfling village of Titzfjord is a elderly halfling, was an elderly halfling, right? He went on, he, he was uh, partnered up with another character from our campaign, Sounds of Wings Flapping, or as Reginald calls her, Bird. And they... We're kind of like a little bit of a Robin Hood. Who's Robin Hood with? Little John? Little John. It? Little John? Okay. I was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So they were kind of like, they were like, they saw themselves as this like Robin Hood, Little John duo robbing nursing homes for taken from the elderly. So, uh, but Reginald really, he wanted to reconnect with his son, but he knew with his limited time left, he could not reconnect with him. So he was on this journey to find this fruit that would give him youth. So you use the fruit or the synopsis that I gave you for the, the adventure we're running to kind of create your character's art at the start of it. It worked perfectly. Yeah. I mean, like we had that zero session and before we had created our characters, we kind of knew somewhat of the, of the synopsis, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's when you let yeah, us know yeah, about the in the zero session. So, but it started with that flaw of he's old and he wants, he wants his vitality back. And, and I feel like with any character, that's where, that's where there's always this flaw, this thing, right? Or for the most part. So, or there's a problem. There's a reason yeah. why you can't achieve. There's a reason why you can't achieve happiness or the image of happiness or you're happily ever after. And that's your flaw or your problem. Absolutely. So he has this call to adventure and he goes on his adventure and, and he's, he, fi- he finds the answer, right? Like he gets the fruit. He becomes young again, but it's not exactly like the, the answer he thought he was going to find. So in, D- in D&D, like, so I'm sorry, I'm rambling. What, what was the original question? No, you kind of you kind of answered it. Is like you kind of do a combination of the of the two. Is is you use the synopsis of a of a campaign or the adventure you're going on to create your character's arc, but you also throughout the campaign allow the arc to develop based upon the information you're giving or the events that happen in the campaign. Yeah, yeah, I think that sums it up really good. I, I know what you said when we first met at Zero Session, and we talked about character creation, and you mentioned like. You know, do do you guys like to meticulously plan every aspect of the arc or or do you guys keep it completely open? And I know you were a fan of keeping it completely open, like kind of going with the flow of like where the story takes you. And, and I think for myself, I like to do a little bit of both. I think at those beginning levels, like you have to have some kind of direction, like there has to be a want. Disney is amazing at this is they tell you the synopsis of the stories right at the beginning with their I want songs. Every, every character in a Disney movie has an I want song. Oh gosh. I'm just like thinking of Moana, right? Yeah. There's always an I want song. Frozen has one like the intro to this episode. Hercules has one. 
Everybody has an I want song. Even the Jungle Book with the bare necessities, you have an I want song. Everybody the, has an I want song. So the desire. You, yeah, the desire or, or the problem, the what they're trying to solve throughout the course of the movie. D&D characters should have that too. The reason why I think you should have this when you're character creating, is, but you also should remain flexible on it, is those first couple sessions, you need to have a goal. But like Reginald, your goal was achieved. He wanted to find his vitality. He's got that. But now what is his story arc? Now how does that progress? Because the story doesn't end. Yeah, so that, that very much threw me for a loop. I had to like almost create a brand new character when that happened. It was like the and it was at the end of our intro. It wasn't like season one. It was just the end of our first couple sessions, right? Yeah, it was the end of the filling out period. It was the end of like, okay, this group is gonna last longer than four sessions. And everybody's still entwined, everybody's still engaged, everybody's still focused on it. It's not like, okay, James has had enough. I feel like I'm complete. I feel uh, I'm stepping away from the table. It's like, oh, I want to continue this. I want to see what else is going on. Going back to Brandon, uh, what do you have? Do you have an I want song with your character and, and who you play? And go ahead and tell us who you play and, and their beginning like thesis or, or problem that they were facing. So I play Orson. Without divulging too much information because we still have secrets at this table. Yeah, I hope we don't play a bunch of meta gamers. <laughs> of course we do. So I play Orsic. He is a dwarf warlock, and so he does you know normal dwarf things. You know he's a miner. Uh, one time the Empire came and they wanted to take over the forge, and so all the dwarves, the dwarves of my clan, were pushed out, and we had to live in the hills. My character, he like went to he went to bed once, like he went to sleep once, and had this weird dream, and he woke up with these magic powers, and so he's. And like we can't use magic, like it's you know we don't I don't have a license, so I I was very selective and about who I even used my magic around. Even in the first few sessions of our game, I didn't cast any spells. Well, especially with one of our players playing somebody from the Empire who is a licensed ma- magician, I'm just going to call him or wizard. Luke is playing Tarek to build that trust takes takes a couple sessions. Yeah, and the only reason he found out is because every five minutes this guy casts detect magic. <laughs> fucking power gamer yeah, so, <laughs> what a power gamer yeah so i just I, I left it at that and like my want is like i got sent to go with this party to like find the source of the fruit my my goal as my character was to bring get find a way that the dwarves can get their home back because i don't want like i want the forge and i want my old life back but i also like there's also like a second arc because like i now have these newfound powers that i got in the middle of my my original quest, then I got like kind of like a side quest, and so I'm deciding which quest is more important. It's kind of crazy to think about arcs as one thing, right? Because both of you guys have exhibited that your character arcs at the beginning of this or your beginning character arcs have almost wrapped themselves up. And now that quest for the fruit, why all of you guys had that quest for the fruit for your own individual reasons, all of a sudden that fruit has been established or has been achieved and now the character, the real character arc begins of like who your character is, and and it almost feels like you guys are almost reintroducing yourselves to your characters and what are their wants and desires now, especially with the moral dilemma of like when you guys went into this dungeon and then you guys release this vampire from the tree. Which okay, I know that Goliath trees can't be destroyed, and they don't release vampires, but I did that because it's story and it's amazing. So don't bite my head off. 
but you you unleash this evil into the into the world. So regardless of what all of the party's goals were, you guys kind of have this one negative tie that all binds you until at least morally you're comfortable with either letting this this vampire out on the world or solving the problem. You know, to be fair, I don't think it's the vampire binding us. What do you think is binding you? Because like for Reginald at least, he he was Reginald went down in that fight because the player playing Reginald, myself, forgot that he could do things other than just shoot his gun. Right. I forgot all of my fighter abilities. He I also, never played gunslinger before. He also got swall- right? swallowed by a toad. Right? Yeah. So that toad had taken me out. So I never even saw a vampire like come out of that tree. That's just what everybody's saying. I think it's just like everybody thinks their best shot at surviving in this brutal, grim world and succeeding in whatever their desire is to succeed in is is best together do you interject yourself into your character arcs do you put some of or an inkling of your own vices into your character arcs when you create characters or do you come up with something totally off the wall i think more like broad human struggles rather than necessarily my own personal struggles i say that as like reginald is a he's he's kind of wild man he's kind of like a cross between charles manson and adolf hitler like i mean like he's pretty well with a little bit of like jerry springer in there at the same sure time, you know yeah, i should i should say he's not like i think as far as his morality goes and his ethics he's certainly influenced by the people around him i'll say that so like as as far as what his arc how his arc ends still influenced by the people around him is he gonna be good i don't know is he going to be bad? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Brandon, do you interject yourself into your own character arcs, or do you try to stay away from your own self-preservation in D&D? Right now, so far, I have interjected myself into my character and how he would play his arc, like especially so Orsic and Reginald do not like each other. That We were, like from the start, like our characters are not trusting of each other. You know, the funny thing about that is like from the start, you guys were not trusting of each other. We had like four or five sessions where you guys started to become friend and build that bridge. And then the dream whisperer happened where you, where Reginald lost, he could, he sacrificed a memory. And one of his detriments was you have a hated rival and he rolled you. So now we're back to point a with that relationship where it's, it's kind of like ironic, but at the same time, it's like, Oh shit, we just, Kind of like with Tarek, because like we just damaged, like you kind of set you guys on another path just because that relationship was building to a, to a culmination, and now all of a sudden you're split again, and you're on two different paths now. You know that dream whisper really altered a lot of things for our whole party. The whole party, except the, for well, so here's the funny thing: I didn't die. I didn't <laughs> lose anything from the dream whisper because I didn't. I wasn't willing to sacrifice any of my memories to save anybody. anybody in the Neither party. was Darut, though. Yeah. So, so as far as Reginald goes, he forgot that his living son exists, which was the whole reason why he started, he's, he's trying to create a cult, right? He's writing a manifesto. He's trying to make a cult. His, his original purpose for that was by drawing out all the halflings, he would also draw out his son and find his son, his long lost son. Now he doesn't even remember his son. He, he knows the other, the rest of the party has reminded him, but he doesn't care because he thinks he's just a cult leader. And that was all just a con. And, but now it's real for him, right? So it's significantly altered his arc. His arc now is, you know, go all the way to the top to create this 
pure world for the halfling folk. Do you find that those instances inside of campaigns when those happen to alter arcs like the Dream Whisperer, do you feel like those are trigger moments that you look forward to where you're like, oh, the DM has put a spin on my character to where I can feed into it and it goes a total separate way? Or do you feel like a little bit rejective of like, nah, I had this idea for this character and I'm totally wanting to play that out. In the moment, when those things happen, when those story-driven or session-driven moments happen to alter arcs, are you accepting of the arc or are you rejecting the arc? Brandon, what do you think about that? Um, I'm definitely like accepting of the arc because I, I left it open. Like I said, I didn't want to be locked into like a an arc where like, oh, I already made this and this is how my character is going to play out. And then I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm fighting against you if like, I don't let these things flow and happen. So like, even like when like you are messaging me about all these info stuff like you have all week, like I want that and I, I want to like keep things open. Cause I, I don't know where, I don't know where my character is going to go. Like I know where he started, but I have no idea where it's going to land or how I'll feel about anybody else. And just to go back on like uh, the last question, like I do put myself into my character arcs, like my own personal things, because like I feel like I'm like a little bit standoffish, not like not a bunch, but like my character branch. My yes, I am a branch. <laughs> my character, I will not give you anything about me. You're gonna figure something out about me before I'm gonna tell you. And I I made sure like I want my I want my character to be like that, especially because like the warlock thing. Building on that though, like I feel most of those kind of characters are the loner type in the tavern where they don't talk much. And one credit I will give you, Brandon, is that I feel like you play that loner role really well, but your role play doesn't suffer because of it. I feel like you're still engaged in every, in the group and you definitely feel a part of this group and act a part of this group. And there's definitely been like even role play moments when you're like, Hey, like what are we all doing here still as a group where some of those loner characters would just walk away and Orsic has remained because you're wanting to go on an adventure first of all. But I, I just think that's a credit to you as a D and D player in whole as like, Hey, look, I can play a loner character, but I can still be a part of a group on an adventure for a purpose. Yeah, I definitely want, I want to be a part of this and like, uh, I want Orsic does want to be in this group, but he's trying to figure out what can this group do for him, not as much that he can do for the group. Which is like another reason why I didn't I didn't think that anybody was worth me sacrificing my memories because I was afraid of losing one specific memory. It could have came up too. I could have rolled it, and then I would have had to rethink how I play my character, like how Reggie, like Reggie's a young old boy now. Young old boy, hey, when those moments occur in the game, when you're forced almost or pushed into a situation where you have to revise or revisit your arc of your character, are you accepting of that change or do you try to resist it a little bit? Absolutely. Like, I think it's one of the great things about D&D with one caveat, 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 calamari, caviar, one calamari. I think it has to, it's very important. It happens authentically and naturally. So like to step away from Reggie for a second and look at a well-known fantasy character like Frodo Baggins, right? Frodo Baggins sets out from the Shire, perhaps a little curious about adventure, right? He's heard from Bilbo uh, about Bilbo's adventures. He sets out, he goes to Rivendell. That's his, that's his whole, that's where he sees that's his, his arc destination. Ending, that, right? that was the end. That was that, the end. That's of the end for him. And he gets to see this, this beautiful, beautiful, Land that Bilbo, beautiful land that Bilbo talked about, and then it, it works so naturally and authentically and flows so well that he becomes the ultimate ring bearer to go to Mordor, because you have all these different groups of people vying for the ring. Should Boromir of Gondor get it right? Should 
the elves of Merc would get it? Should the dwarves get it? No, Frodo's this neutral party. So when when he, you know, this selfless, kind of like innocent, pure individual steps up to take the ring, it happens naturally, but it also changes his whole arc and where he's going and, and to eventually lose his innocence, which is what makes him Frodo in the beginning, right? I think I think that's the caveat that it happens naturally and authentically. And so it's in, in a D and D group, I feel like somebody can like brutishly come in and intentionally attempt to like change your arc for whatever reason they have in mind. But certainly in our group that hasn't happened and, and it hasn't happened in any of the groups I've been in, fortunately. So I, I think it, the change with Reginald for, for myself has been great. I, I like it. I, I agree with you on the authenticness of, of character arc altering that I think that's a, a fantastic way to put it is that it, it happens organically. It happens in the moment. The Dream Whisperer was a truly organic, authentic, and it was a new type of combat on top of that. Not only did it alter personalities or character arcs, but it, it gave you guys this other sense of, of kind of like real life combat. There's more to combat than just a physical aspect. See, see enemy, hurt enemy. There's words uh, exchanged. There's feelings are involved. There's a lot more depth and combat can be a lot more deeper than just dice rolling. I have a question for you, Ben. So if the ladies would have joined us that night, <sighs> would any of this have happened? No, this is a total one-shot plan for you guys because we wanted to play D&D, but also as a DM, I felt it necessary to capture the moment and still uh, expand on our characters. That one night led to so many different things in our campaign. Like it's, I think, but like, it's magical. At it the is same very time. magical. I think the biggest thing that's ever ha- that's happened in our campaign was that night, and it sucks that the girls couldn't be a part of it because it was amazing. But like the fact that all these things happened it it changed it totally changed two of the characters in our party forever yeah but at the same time that i think the girls have gotten their spotlight and wings has got hers coming up i mean but we've had kate's dream sequence where the dragon that we're talking about pretty much kills the party we've had a dream sequence where there was a tpk almost a false hydra kind of thing going on then we had uh lamora's relationship with horbin exposed kind of thing with her dream sequence and to be honest with you that that's some of the most romantic dnd i've ever been a part of but that's also like i'm gonna tell you right now man there's this group of people that that we're with right now is the most diverse group of players that i've ever been a part of not only a background aspect of it but also a mental aspect of it i feel like every person at our table is deep as as their characters are or as deep as as it's 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 nuts it's nuts to think about it it's nuts to pick your guys's brain and be like hey when i ask you questions and the rabbit hole that you guys go on as i ask you these questions which leads to my next question which leads to your next question i feel like i don't hit any dead ends with you guys it makes it really easy to be a dm and exposing character arcs or expanding character arcs when your players are just as in tune to the world as the dm is or want to be. If you desire to be in tuned into your world that you're playing in, don't be afraid to ask those questions. Even when other character arcs are going on, if you're a supporting character like like Brandon said earlier and you want to step back and give somebody else a limelight, which I totally agree with, you shouldn't intrude on other people's arcs, but you should definitely play a role in other people's arcs because eventually or ultimately you guys are an adventuring party and you guys all signed up for the same adventure. But your 
person being there for so many sessions over the course of six months has an effect on, on individuals, just like sitting around our table, each and every one of the seven of you have an effect of an infect. You have an effect of on my life personally, not just in the game sense. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to take away from like the the girls not being there. Oh, it was so great because it was awful. No, 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 no. It was bad. I, but, I, don't, I don't think and that. I, I, I think like uh, the things that you've done with bringing them back, like saying what their each individual individual dreams were, was great. I just like I think it's just like kudos to you for like what look what you made up in like what a couple hours. Like you thought the whole thing up, like hey, I'm gonna do this, and just look how like drastically it impacted the game. So it's just like kudos to you for like doing that, and then still handling each of their their side their little story dream arcs, which is like you said, a total PT, a TPK in one of them. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the fact that you realize that. But that's the fun part as a DM is is coming up with those instances inside the game. I don't take a lot of notes. I have a recorder and I listen to sessions that we've had. Although they're horrendous recordings, I still listen to them and I'm like, okay, this moment was memorable. I need to capitalize on this. This was filler. We don't need this anymore. But at the same time, I feel like you guys give me the fuel for this campaign. Like I have points. I have plot points. I have pieces on a board that I want you guys to interact with. Whether those pieces are important is totally encumbered on, on you guys interacting with them. Which leads to your arcs. DMs need to capitalize on characters' arcs. You need to listen to your players. You need to get involved with your players and be like, hey, what's what's your I want song? What What's your end goal? And then sometimes you can end those arcs, but they open up new arcs. Yeah, and I think something to be added to that too is like if you look at every session as an episode, and in every episode there's almost it's there a little arc within the episode that creates a larger theme arc right so i think a great example would be to look at like thor from the mcu and i'm not a huge fan of the current mcu by any means but if you look at thor right in his arc he's got an arc in each thor movie but he's also got a larger arc of constantly losing the people he cares about and finding out who he is so i think D D is the same way and that's what makes it unique and that's why i compare it to a tv show and say that you have seasons because in each episode you have a little like i think dan Harmon does it great following joseph campbell's hero's journey because every episode of rick and morty or the tv show community follows the hero's journey every single one but it also plays into a larger hero's journey absolutely so you have individual hero's journeys that come full circle inside the episodes but you have the overarching hero's journey that culminates in the end of a season the reason why joseph campbell thought that was so compelling was you know he looked i think he looked at like carl Jung's work and carl Jung thought that there's something inside of it's it's more like instead of the author creating this story the author is uh, of every story or, or the vast majority of stories is imprinting part of his like deep psychology that is like he doesn't even realize he's imprinting it, but it's deep things. He's almost spiritual level things that the author is imprinting. So the hero's journey is unique to each and every one of us because I think in real life, we also go through a hero's journey every day. And then there's larger hero's journeys that we go through as well. I think, you know, if you're an older person, you know, if you're 70 years old, go talk to somebody in a nursing home, by the way. I had the pleasure of working at one for three and a half years. Go talk to somebody in a nursing home. It's really the insight you can get amazing listen to their story arcs listen to their absolutely that's where i'm going because they have story arcs they have story arcs and there's so much wisdom in their story so speaking on that of individual heroes journeys every day do you feel in D D 
and in real life, do you feel that your story arc is not resolved unless you end on a positive note? Or can it be a negative? Can you end your story arc or are you fulfilled in your story arc if it ends on a negative note? Yes, I can be fulfilled if it, even if it, for mine, which I, I think I can think of a couple ways right now how mine could end badly and I'm totally okay with it. It doesn't make me mad. If, I, don't, I don't need to be this giant hero that saved the world to be fulfilled in my story. Yeah, I, I don't think you need a positive ending to... I, I think it would almost be toxic to think that there can be a positive ending to all your... Or like that is the only way you're going to be satisfied. Because if that's the mentality that you set up for yourself, I think you're setting yourself up for failure, right? Because you're going to fail in life and it's going to happen over and over and over and over again. So instead of coming away with that idea of like, every single arc I go on has to be a success. How about you come away with, if you want it to be a success, how about every failure you experience is a lesson? It's a learning experience. Right, yeah. What can you take away from that failure? And now it's made you a bigger person with a bigger, a a broader uh, utility belt of skills you can utilize in life, right? When I was in basic training. So hold on, before you get onto that. So does learning from your failures make that story arc a success though? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Because ultimately, a negative experience would be unfulfillment. It would be like, oh, this happened and I'm okay with it. It wouldn't be necessarily peeling back the curtain and thinking, what could have I done differently? What could I have maybe capitalized on a little bit more, push harder on? Because that would be kind of a successful story arc because it came full circle yet again after the failure. I, I would think almost maybe bittersweet would be the way to say it, right? Because that conclusion to whatever is in the arc might not be like this, you know, oh, like I'm... Glamorous heroes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get fired from a job. You you fail in a relationship, you know? Okay, but here's here's an example. Let's let's capitalize on a failure in a relationship real quick. If you fail on a relationship and you say that you're okay with your story arc ending in a failure, that means that you don't learn from that experience and you just go on. You don't have another relationship. You're okay with how it ended. You don't ask yourself questions. There's no internal struggle because that leads you on another arc, right? I think the thing that we're getting on is I want to capitalize on the fact that that how you view things as seasons or episodes, every day is pretty much your own hero's journey that leads in an overarching hero's journey. If that hero's journey doesn't end in a positive where you're learning from a failure, is the hero's journey done? Is that arc complete then? I I guess if it was, if it was summarized in a day, it would be complete, but it would be, you know, not maybe, maybe not the completion you want, you know, like maybe not the desire, most desirable one, but, and maybe that would impact the theme in some way right so then do you become Tarek and you're a totally different person because now you're not here's the thing is like this is coming full circle back to D&D because I feel the Tarek uh, storyline especially like after you guys have he told you that um, well no maybe this is metagaming too much because something changed he lost a memory where something changed and there's not been any any questions about that there's been questioning him about that but there's there's really been no no structure to that that arc really of why he's doing what he's doing so do you think in your guys's minds as characters at the table and as players is this is the tarik arc a failure and dead and this a new arc or is this just a continuation of the hero's journey 
Ooh, I guess I I can answer both ways. I feel like the Tarek that we knew originally and that he knew, he's dead, and we have a different. So I, I would say no. It's 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 still Tarek, but the Tarek we know is dead, and I don't think it's gonna come back. So his overall his story arc is still going. It's just the story arc is completely upside down. It's not even relative to what he was before. So I think, yeah, and, and there are arcs, right? Like you think the movie Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt's character in that movie goes from being this like optimistic, you know, I can, I can change the world by solving these crimes type of guy to the end where he has become like the villain, right? You know, he, it's, it's, it's that hero's arc, to, but it's flipped. It's like an antagonist arc. So I think there's the opportunity to end like the antagonist. And certainly with Tarek, you know, where, where things have changed for him, he's, he's lost his innocence. He's not, he's not the same Tarek that we knew before. And there's no way to really bring that back because you can't insert that memory back into him. It, it seriously altered him. He's fragmented. So Wrapping up this, this character arc thing real quick and putting a bow on it because I feel like we've been all over the place a little bit, but it's been really in-depth conversation is Orsic or Brandon, do you feel like your first arc is ongoing still, or do you feel like you've wrapped up and started anew? My first arc is still going, but, but it is not pressing like it was. And Orsic doesn't really care at this point if it gets resolved. It's like, it's like an arc, if it gets resolved, great, but it's not his goal. It's not, like, it's not even like on the forefront of his mind anymore. He doesn't really care. And James, for Reginald, I, we, we touched on this earlier. You definitely feel like your first arc has closed and now you've begun anew. What would it take for Reginald to kind of spark that initial, other than getting his memory back, what would it take for Reginald to kind of like spark that initial arc and, and maybe go on that again in your mind? Yeah, I suppose he'd have to meet his son right? Like, like really meet his son and have that, his old world shown, because that was his desire from the very beginning, find youth and vitality so that he can re-engage and save his son from potentially the dangerous dwarven magical cult he was, had become a part of. Which is why he hates me. Yeah. It it would take that. Yeah. So if you met your son, you wouldn't know it was your son. No, no, I wouldn't. So it'd have to take some, you know, he's with us for a little bit or something, you know? Okay, so here's another question. This is a closing question, I promise, okay? No, this is fun, man. This is really fun. In our world, we craft this world together, right? I ask you guys questions, you guys feed me information, I give you more information, and we play off of that. Does, does those moments when they come up during your character arcs or during our sessions, when the things that you've created come up, do those feed into your character arcs? Do you enjoy that experience more? Or would you rather the DM just put you on this path to where you can develop your own character arc? So you're talking about like when something comes in to... So let's say that me and you create something. Yeah. And and we're piggybacking. And then maybe we don't use it for a couple sessions. And then all of a sudden, one of those things that we brought up together without me telling you, it just is brought up and you have all the information for it. Do you like that more being a part of the world that you created? And does that help your arc? Or would you rather you just have this one track arc mine where you have a vision and the, and the DM has created everything for you. I, I would say I definitely want it to be collaborative, like not even just between myself and the DM, you know, the more that the party's involved in Reginald's arc, which I think no matter what, like we're all involved in each other's arcs undeniably because we're all doing everything together. But I, I mean, D and D in isolation is 
so anti is just D. Yeah, it's it's chapter book reading. Yeah. Might as well write your own book. Brandon, what what do you think about this? I like that you so like for example, like this week we've been messaging a lot, you know, and I've been uh, filling you in. I feel like it's it, it's still like it's flushing out some of my backstory too. So I like how later on if you bring up the the like the weapon we talked about or stuff like that, like only I know what it is, you know what I mean? And so like I it's helping me build this arc that I don't know where it's going, but I like I like flushing out these things. And I, I'm not stuck to this one because when I first started this campaign, I was stuck to that one goal. And then within, I don't know, a few sessions, that goal isn't as important to me. So I like when you have so, info. So basically, is here's what I'm getting at with this. is When I give you guys these tidbits of information, and then other characters interact with them, and you guys are the only things that know about those tidbits of information, and depending on how the characters act with them is how you're going to react to the characters acting with them, that drives a whole nother wedge into this party or not even wedge maybe a bridge depending on how other players perceive them basically what i'm getting at is dms if you include your players in their arcs and giving them agency and giving them a little bit more with their character in the creation of your world then they will be more invested with your world or their world or our world so when other players interact with what they've created that creates reaction and emotion which ultimately we all know that emotion and situations tell the best stories. When you can put yourself in a situation and be a part of it or feel like you have something to lose or something to gain, those bring out the true heroes or the true villains in our campaigns and in our stories. All right, you trolls, it's last call! adventures it's last call once again we were reviewing bell's brewery oberon ale american wheat it is 5.8 percent alcohol by volume is a very solid drink like i said this is a barbecue type drink when when you don't want those dead-end domestics it to me it, it flowed smoothly it didn't feel too heavy i've drinking two of them during the course of this uh podcast episode and i feel like i could have a third this is a solid drink for me. Uh, I'm definitely not a beer drinker. Uh, I definitely drink more of a liquor, you know, if when I do drink, which is very rarely. But honestly, like it, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, no, that, hey, I agree with you, Brandon. Not bad. Uh, Oberon is like a go-to beer for me. So Two-Hearted, obviously my favorite. I feel like it's the easiest to drink. But Oberon, love Oberon, man. Love it. So four out of four for me. Yeah. So James, you're going to go four out of four? Uh, I'm going to go, this is the highest rated beer that I've drinking so far on this season of, of Dyson Brews so far. So I'm going to go three just based on my criteria of how much, how often would I drink it? If I saw it available on a shelf, I would probably pick it up knowing that it's solid and a lot of other people could probably get on it too. So if I brought a six pack to a party, I'm not the only one partaking. And then uh, overall drinkability, like this is not something you scoff at. This is not something that is like. You have to get two or three deep and be like, okay, I'm attuned to it now. It's not a magic item, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'll go give it a two because although, like I said, I don't drink beer, it's better than some of the beers I've sipped, you know. So, yeah, I'll give it a two. I'll be happy with that. So, I, I think we're going to roll with three out of four just because that's the kind of the happy medium. A nail in the hand is worth two in the keg. 
But anyway, I want to thank you guys once again, and hopefully uh, Brandon and James, you guys can come back for another episode of Above Dice and Brews. I feel like our conversation today has opened up a lot of questions for me as a DM on your guys as players, but it's also brought a new perspective to me on who you guys are as players and how you kind of think about character creation and story arcs and stuff like that. I also think that these conversations... Uh, need to happen more because these are the kind of like the first in-depth conversations that we've actually aside from joking around and stuff like that we've actually got to sit down and and talk about D without playing D. yeah i really like i like doing this this is really fun and like uh just listening to the other episodes that you've done with people i've learned more about the people than like i didn't think i would learn more about them listening to this podcast so i hope they feel the same way about me i, I like learning more about their characters and i want to be on to every show if you have me yeah yeah definitely uh am looking forward to coming back at some point in time and if you're watching this right now like i I hope you're able to take a lot out of it you know when you're making your character what are your character's flaws like how does their arc work how does it work in interaction with the players at your table yeah i hope everybody enjoyed this we didn't get too in depth and and crazy about our our own characters that you don't know about but uh yeah just because you start with an arc doesn't mean it has to stay that way and I think that we've we've touched on this is that a character can have multiple arcs throughout a campaign, especially a long-term one, and not necessarily need fulfillment to end on a positive arc. Just like in life, we have experiences every day. James, you hit on the subject of every day is pretty much a hero's journey. Every day has a beginning and an end and a threshold and a threat and an experience. This game opens us up to maybe utilizing our D&D skills a little bit more in our everyday real life to identify and determine what those obstacles or those flaws or those blockades are in everyday life so we can overcome them a little bit better. I'm going to thank you guys for being here. You guys are definitely more than welcome anytime. I'm trying to go through this rotating schedule just because every person that we have on is pure gold. You guys are amazing. And also to capitalize on what you guys said is like, I'm learning a lot more about my players at my table that are giving me insight other than just the players or the characters that you're playing. And let me tell you, you guys may not think this, but everybody that's been at this table and on the podcast you guys put a little bit of yourselves into each and every one of your characters so far. Even the ones that say that they don't, Lucas. But it, I'm just saying. But that's going to do it for this episode of Up Dice and Brews. Once again, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, James. Remember that if you are consuming Bardic Inspiration, make sure you do that responsibly. And with that, this is the Forever DM saying life's an adventure. Roll with it.